Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, and it is my privilege and pleasure to have once again evangelist Preston Shuttlesworth on the podcast. Evangelist Preston, how are you doing today? Doing great. So happy to be on with you guys watching um, wherever you're watching from, whatever time, wherever you are. And uh, this topic that we've chosen today is going to be a great one. I'm excited for it and uh, happy that you invited me back on. I'm glad it wasn't just a one-time thing. And then yeah, you're like, you know what? I'll never back on ever again. So, <laughs> so you, you were the first you were the first guest on the podcast. You're the first returning guest. Oh yeah. So you're just racking wow. up yeah, uh, virtual upset. awards. I'm racking up. Yeah, I, I have all the milestones. They belong to me, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to have you on and uh share with the Faith for My Generation podcast family. Uh we call them the faithful. I wanted to share with the faithful uh this idea of that sin you know, you hear a lot about probably every Christian talks about sin in some way or some degree. But we really want to hone in on as Christians, as believers, as new creation realities, uh, being blood bought, sanctified by the yeah. blood of Jesus, yeah. filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, we want to just completely come head on against this idea. And we've talked about it before on the podcast. I've taught on it, but I, I want to get your voice on it. Uh, uh, this idea of how sin that the blood of Jesus is no longer, we'll just jump right into it, is, is not only just paid the penalty, but it's destroyed the power yes. of sin. And that truly yeah. sin no longer has dominion over us as Christians. Uh, what yeah. sparked this, having you back on, you know, uh, we're just joking right before we started recording, but you were just unleashing on this, this false doctrine, this doctrine of devils that's loosed in the earth, this idea that you need to have a casual thinking to sin. That sin's not a big deal. We all do it. We're just sinners saved by grace. We're going to sin every day. Sin, 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 sin. And, you know, you, you were unleashing on Twitter and on, on Instagram, which if you're not following Evangelist Preston, we'll put his information down in the bio so that you can and keep up with him for the next Twitter storm. But I, I want to go into <laughs> that idea. I just want to hit that head on because really there's some things. There's a there's lots of doctrines in the Bible. But there's some there's sure. some basic doctrines that you need to get nailed down in your spirit and get it word by word what the Bible says concerning it. And one of those things is the reality of sin and, and its place. Really, there is none, but its place in the life of the believer. So I just want to I want I want to start in Romans six twelve. I'll read it and then I'll let you just go at it. Evangelist Preston, verse twelve. This is the New King James. It says this. Therefore, do not let sin reign. In your mortal body that you should obey yes. in its lusts and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to god as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to god for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace absolutely that's a great place to, to begin those scriptures there. And I want to clarify before we um, go really deep into the Bible, but this topic in this podcast, this is not for unbelievers. I, I want to preface my statements and what I, and what I say by saying that first of all. So understand I'm not condemning sinners. Jesus never condemned sinners. You know why? Because sinners do something. They sin. You know, that's why they're sinners. So my thoughts in my Twitter storm, my ranting about this topic and, and the preaching about this is not targeted towards unbelievers. It's not targeted towards people that are living in sin or don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, have not received that forgiveness, have not received that Holy Spirit. Um, what we're going to talk about is for the believer, for the church. And so I want you to understand that because some people... They have actually, they have good teaching on this, this topic of sin and grace, but then they're so harsh that nobody gets saved because people that come in that are sinners, they feel like, well, I can never be that person. Well, that's the thing. You can't be that person in your flesh. 
You can't be that person under your own power, your own will as a human being. You need the, the helping and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to be not in under subjection or in slavery to sin, but like Paul's talking about here in Romans 6, that now you have dominion over sin. And so um, just to uh, clarify further what um, Pastor AJ was talking about with my, my Twitter uh, storm that I was ranting about, it all started by this preacher, and I'm not going to give you specifics or names. I posted the video at the time on my thing, and I was like very blatant about it, but I won't tell you who he was or where he was or what, it, what kind of thing it was, but um, he was preaching, and he's preaching to young people. You know, I know there might be young people that listen to these episodes. He's preaching at a youth conference, I believe it was, a youth and young adults conference. And he said this statement, and this is what sparked my in my spirit. I was like a righteous indignation of like, no, no, no. Um, he said, you know, Jesus loves you. And he said this, no matter if you leave here from this conference and you do awful things, if you leave this conference and you do awful, horrible things, he loves you. Or... If you leave this conference and you live holy and you do the right thing and you do the righteous thing, he loves you. 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 Mm -hmm. And that might get some claps and some applause from the people. That might be something that scratches their itching ears, as Paul would say, or uh, makes them feel happy in the moment. But that kind of preaching will send people to hell. That kind of preaching will send people straight to hell. And people get so into love and grace that they, they ignore truth and holiness and justice. You know, God is a loving and a gracious God. Yes, he is. But he's also a pure, holy and just God. You know, you, you ask yourself, why did Jesus have to come at all? Why did Jesus have to come at all if God is just all love and all grace? Jesus, you know, I tweeted this yesterday, this thought. Jesus didn't die on the cross to satisfy the love of God. He died on the cross to satisfy the wrath and the anger of God against sin that was in humanity. Right. It wasn't about love and grace. You, you know, I've never killed somebody in love. You know what I mean, AJ? I've never <laughs> crucified someone, tortured them to death because of love and grace. You didn't love and them to the death. And that's the death that our... our <laughs> right, exactly. And, and that's the death that our Savior died on the cross. It was a brutal death. Mm. He was tortured. The Son of God was tortured. Beaten, beaten beyond recognition by his own family members, the Bible says. His beard ripped out of his face, a crown of thorns put into his head, whips upon his back, nails in his hands and feet. And so why would I be so flippant about the price that was paid for me and for you, if you're a believer, by saying love and grace covers it? No. Love and grace does not cover perpetual habitual sin. Amen. Love and grace does not cover hab habitual, perpetual lifestyles of sin. Now, am I saying that once you get saved, you'll never make a mistake? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you won't make a mistake here and there or, or, or do something wrong. I'm not saying that. But there's a difference between making a mistake and then feeling the conviction of the Holy Ghost afterwards and repenting mm -hmm. of it and getting it right, getting it under the blood and continuing in a sin to the point where it's a lifestyle so much that you've calloused your spirit where you don't even repent after you commit it, that will send you to hell. Ephesians 4.30, you know, it talks about, Paul said, if you continually grieve the Holy Ghost, continual grievance of the Holy Ghost will send you to hell. And I'll, I'll go there in a moment. I'll, I want to read Ephesians 4.1, actually, where Paul talks about living a life worthy of the calling that you've received, being a prisoner yeah. of the Lord. So, Here's the thing. Here's life, right? Here's the Bible in real life. You have, you have two options. You can be enslaved to sin, death, hell, and the grave, or you can break from that bondage by the blood of Jesus and then be enslaved to yokes of righteousness and peace and life and joy through mm -hmm. God. You know, there, there was an old Bob Dylan song. I, I'm like, I know I'm 23, but I have like the music taste of like a 65 year old man. But <laughs> there was an old Bob Dylan. There's an old Bob Dylan song. It's called "You Got to Serve Somebody." I don't know if you ever heard that song. You got to serve somebody. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. yeah, and the whole song's about you know you got to serve somebody. You know, you, it might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. Mm -hmm. And so that's what life's about. 
There's no place you can go where you're completely free to do whatever you want. The Bible says this, there's two masters. There's two masters. There's not three. There's not seven. You can't even be your own master. Mm-hmm. People think that they don't, people think that are unsaved, AJ. They think, oh, that they live in the world. They do their own thing. They think they're in control of their life. They're not in control right. of their life. The devil is. The prince of darkness is working them like a puppet on a string. And so you have a choice as a believer. Who am I going to serve? Whose work will I receive? Who am I aiming to please with my life? And so this doctrine that's crept into the church of greasy grace, some have coined mm-hmm. it. That's the phrase they use. This, right. this, uh, this doctrine that sends people to hell, that no matter how much you play on the train tracks, no matter how much you juggle knives, no matter how close you get to the edge of the Grand Canyon, no matter how much you play with dynamite in C4, everything's going to be okay because Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Understand something. Jesus does not love everybody the same. Mm -hmm. And that's something that shocks Christians. What do you mean? God loves everybody. How did God express his love? You know, I've been talking about this for days now, but God expressed his love by sending us Christ. Yes. For John, John 316, one of the most, probably the most famous scripture in all of the Bible for God. What? He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Christ Jesus, that through him, we, you should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. Right. How did God love the world? He sent us Christ. And then Romans 5, 8, it says that while we were yet in sin or while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I think we're right in that portion of scripture, aren't we? Yes. Romans 5, 8. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's read that. Romans 5, and I'll begin in verse 6. For while we were still weak. So what does that mean? While we were still in sin. This is the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, people need to learn the Bible. Yeah. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Not for the righteous. Not for the sanctified. Not for the holy. Not for the believer. Because they aren't believers yet. They can't be without Christ dying. So Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. So here's the thing. This doctrine actually weakens the Bible to a point where it becomes like watered down and shallow, in my opinion. Yes. Because the thing that makes God's love so pure and holy and and awesome is that he died for us, Christ did, while we were still at enmity with him, while we were still his enemy. Right. Think of that. He died for those that hated him. He died for the Roman soldier that stuck a spear through his side. Mm-hmm. He died for the ones that spit in his face while he was being led to his torture and crucifixion and death. He died for those people. You know, it would be difficult for me to give my life for my family members who I love. Mm-hmm. But that would be a difficult choice. I, I would I would probably do it, but it would be hard. It would be a hard thing to die for someone that loves me, to die for someone that is my family. But yeah. Jesus, hallelujah was so gracious and loving and pure that he died for us while we were yet sinners. It's powerful. Yes. Verse seven again, for one will scarcely die, scarcely, excuse me, scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. So that's what Paul's (laughs) talking about. But verse eight, powerful, but God shows his love. So we're talking about the love and the grace of God, right? We're talking about love and grace. What is love and grace? What is God's love? This is how he shows his love. He shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, verse 9, we have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from what? Wrath. Say there. Says what? The wrath of God. So that's love. That was love. Jesus paid a penalty that he did not owe. He paid a price that he did not owe to save people that did not deserve it. So that's the love of God. Yeah. That's the love of God. And the love of God was expressed through Christ satisfying not the love of God, but the wrath of God. The wrath of God against humanity. Why? Because Adam sinned. And so Adam, the first man made in the garden, he sinned. But then it was prophesied 
you know, in that story, that from the seed of the woman, Eve, there would come a savior. All the way in the book of Genesis, it's powerful. The Bible's so powerful. Mm -hmm. All the way in the book of Genesis, it was prophesied that from the seed of the woman, there would come a seed, a savior, and that though he would bruise his heel, meaning he'd have to die on the cross, he would crush the head of the serpent. And so why would we diminish that power? Why would we water down that truth by saying that no matter what you do after you're saved, everything's going to be okay because of love and because of grace? Mm-hmm. You know, I said this on Evangelist TJ's podcast, but mm-hmm. grace is not the license to sin, but grace is the empowerment to live in victory over sin. Or like Paul said, dominion over sin. That's right. grace. Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Mm-hmm. Certainly not. Certainly not. And so let's go to Ephesians 4. Let's go to Ephesians 4, verse 1. I, I have an ESV Bible. Okay. It says this, verse 1. It says this in verse 1 of verse 4. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. So you think of that terminology that Paul uses. A prisoner. Someone that's in captivity. And it's a good captivity. It, God's, God's a good jailer. But what does that mean? <laughs> That means he's not free to do everything that he wants to do in his flesh. Yeah. You understand? So I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm a servant of the most high God. My mission is holy. You know, we're ministers, uh, Pastor AJ. Our mm-hmm. mission is holy. It's a holy mission. It's not, it's not something to be trifled with, to be mixed with, to be impure. You know, Paul spoke of that in 2 Timothy 2, where yeah. he said, in a very great house, there are many vessels, but and there are vessels of honorable use and dishonorable use. Vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Mm-hmm. And so he talks about, I'll go there after this. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But let's read Ephesians 4.1. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord. So he's not free to do everything he wants to do in his flesh. There's, there's parameters in place. Mm-hmm. You know, a prisoner can't just open up his cell and walk down the, the hallway of the jail and, you know, like do whatever he wants. Right? right. There's there's rules in place because he's in captivity. So he's a prisoner of the Lord and he urges us. I urge you to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Amen. I urge you to do it. And that's what I'm doing with my time on this podcast right now. That's what AJ, Pastor AJ is doing by making this episode for you. We're urging you to live a life that's worthy of the calling. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not called into full-time ministry. Well, that's fine, but you are called to be a believer. Mm -hmm. And and God said this, he said, be ye holy, even as I am holy. Right. Walk ye perfect before me. Well, that's not possible. It's not possible by yourself, by your flesh. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and, sorry, I'll throw it to you. Well, on ver- that that verse you just read, to walk worthy of the calling of, about being the prisoner of the Lord. When Christians get an understanding, there's a couple of things actually that you you've brought to light. But really, much of the power and the dominion that the Christian will operate in has to do with understanding who they are because now they've been saved what what did the work of christ and the working of the holy spirit what does that make me now and and there's two things that i noticed like when you when you were introing into this we're not talking about people that are dead in sin ephesians 2 says that they had a nature you and i before before being saved we had a nature of, of being the children of disobedience we had a nature yes. to sin. And when you're dead in sin, your nature is to sin. That's why it's not a surprise right. when people who are sinners sin. <laughs> That's yes. my nature. But a lot of Christians never get a hold of this new creation reality that I've now been given, Second Peter 1, the divine nature of God. I'm, I'm living, yes. it's what you read in Romans 5. I'm not living in the power of my life. It's not just like, Jesus bought my lunch and then he'll see me sometime later on when I go to heaven. It's his life in fills me and I'm alive by him. And then, so once you get a revelation of that, you add to it a prisoner of the Lord, you know, that's what the centurion, that's the kind of faith he had in Matthew eight, when Jesus says, no, I haven't found a great faith in all of Israel than this right here. Because if you notice when you read it and, and 
I noticed this about a year or two ago when I was in prayer and study that centurion says, I'm a man of authority being under authority. Yes. The reason he yes. had the power to tell his, his soldiers under him where to go and what to do is because he was submitted to the authority above him. He was right. by Rome gave him authority to tell these guys what to do. And as a Christian, yeah. you will not walk in authority and power and dominion unless you are submitted to a higher authority, the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. That's right. I mean, you think of like a police officer in the natural, like in, in our world, he mm -hmm. has a badge that signifies that he has authority, but that badge was given to him by a higher authority, right? The police department, right. his, uh, his sergeant, his overseer, his person, whatever that trained him. And so the reason a police officer can stand, for instance, in an intersection and conduct traffic, not by power, but by authority. So here's mm -hmm. the thing about, about authority. Authority is actually greater than power. Authority is greater than power because, for instance, an 18-wheeler truck comes down an intersection. That 18-wheeler that truck with its engine, with its big wheels, its big you know, uh, power, it has much, much more power than a, a man, a police officer standing in its way. But when that police officer lifts up his hand to stop in the intersection, because that man has authority and that truck has power, the power submits to the authority. Mm -hmm. And so, but he, like you mentioned, he can't operate in that authority if he just does whatever he wants and doesn't come into a line with what he was trained to do. Mm -hmm. He went to police academy. He went to, he went to train to do the work of a police officer. And there was parameters in place. They have a whole uh, rule book. They have a whole handbook. There's a way, there's a conduct. Mm -hmm. There's a, a way they do things. You know, and, and they have to wear body cameras. I mean, we, we've seen that so much in the recent years with all this stuff going on. But police officers have to wear body cameras on their person to record everything that they do. Why? To make sure that they're in line with the rules right. of the authority that they've been given. Right. And so what if that was the case for Christians? <laughs> what if Christians had to go around wearing body cameras? <laughs> Think of it. Mm -hmm. What if Christians had to go around wearing body cameras? And really it is like that because God sees how we act and how we conduct ourselves. But what if we had to go around with body cameras and at the end of the week show our pastor or our, our leaders what we did that week, mm. what we did at two in the morning when we were by ourselves in our room, what right. we did, um, whatever went to a bar on a Thursday night to blow off some steam, went to a strip club on the Friday night to blow off some steam, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What if we had to right. conduct our, and I, again, it is like that. Maybe we don't have it physically on our, our person, but God sees more than a police camera can see. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you, you see those body cameras on those police officers and they only show so much, you know, they might get into a conflict or something and then it goes black. They lose the feed. The police mm -hmm. officer might obstruct it purposely so that he can do what he wants and not be seen. But God sees everything. God sees everything. He has full surround view cameras of our life. And so, and our handbook, our rule book is this Bible here, right here, the word yes. of God. And so live a life that's worthy of the calling. Live mm -hmm. a life that's worthy of the calling that you've received. Live a life that's worthy of God saving your spirits, your soul, excuse me, God saving your soul. Through the blood of Jesus, live a life that's worthy of the beating that Jesus took. Amen. My 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 Lord, my Savior, my Master was beaten mercilessly, without mercy. I I don't I can't pay it back because we can never pay it back. But what I can do is I can give myself wholly to Him and His work and mm -hmm. do what's right in His eyes to please Him. You know, uh, is that John fourteen as well, where He says. You know, no greater love than this than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. And then mm -hmm. it says this, you are my friends if, so it's conditional, if, mm -hmm. if what? You do what I command you to do. Right. You're my friends if you do what I command you. And so we live this kind of Christian life right now. And it's, it's sad. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. That says I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus's friend, whether I do what he commands me or not. He's not interested in that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. Jesus is not interested in that kind of relationship. Right. Jesus doesn't want Jesus doesn't want 
a marriage where you're sleeping around with three other people that also like him a little bit. You right. Don't want that. I, I wouldn't want that. You know, it's like Paul said in Second Corinthians. He said, my goal to the church, the church of uh, at Corinth, my goal is to present you to one husband as a pure virgin. Mm-hmm. Or I think he says betrothed in the King James. My goal is to betroth you to one husband as a pure virgin. What does that mean? That's kind of strange. What that means is he wants to present you to the husbandman or the, the bridegroom, which is Christ and the church is the bride. His goal as a minister was to present the bride to Christ as a pure virgin, mm-hmm. as pure. You know, if I was getting married and I'm not married, I'm, I'm, I don't even have a girlfriend, but mm-hmm. if I was getting married and I find out that, you know, before the wedding, she's, she slept with another guy. Guess what? I'm not getting married to her. Well, he, he has no grace. He has no grace, AJ. <laughs> you know, these people are people don't think. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's no grace in his voice. I, he, she just slept with one guy. She slept with only one guy before the wedding night. What do you, what do you mean he's not going to get married to her? Yeah, I'm not getting married to her. Because she showed with her action that her love wasn't fully devoted to me. Mm. Right? And so that's the same standard for the church. That's the same standard for the believer. One husband, pure virgin, right, walk righteously, walk blamelessly before the Lord. And then we, we wonder why we don't see the manifestations of the Bible or the works of the Holy Spirit. The key attribute of the Spirit that God gives is what? Holy. Mm-hmm. Holy. And so we wonder, why, I don't know why we don't see miracles anymore. I don't know why people don't get touched by the Holy Ghost in our service anymore. Are you walking holy? The minister has to walk holy. The minister has to walk holy. Live a, again, Ephesians 4 1. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And so I'll, I'll let you add on to whatever you know you want to add on to. No, absolutely. What it, it, you you can go down several different paths here, but it's so clear, it's so evident that if you do not have a proper biblical understanding of many things, but in this situation, sin that it's not a casual thing, one, right? Because we're talking about we have a new nature. So that I think that's sometimes something that Christians don't grab a hold of is that sin is a choice. It's not like I, I walk out into the parking lot, oh, I stepped in a pile of sin. I didn't see that. <laughs> like at this point, I have the nature of Christ in me. I have the power of the Holy Spirit empowering me. And then uh, the Bible tells us, I believe it's first or second Corinthians, but the Bible tells us that no temptation comes to me that's uncommon to man, that I do not have a way of escape. So temptation right. is, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but temptation is the seed form of sin. And if I allow temptation right. to go unchecked in my life, Satan's going to throw those stupid thoughts across my mind or, or there be there will be opportunities to sin. That's temptation. But if I allow that seed to sprout and root in my heart and conceive in my heart, James 1, it will produce sin, a harvest of sin. So it's not like a casual thing. And I think I think because well, it's a, it's a and it's it's an attempt of the enemy. It's, it's the way that Satan deceives. He wants you to think lightly of sin. Oh, it's just we all do this. It's not that big a deal. There's grace, bro. Like, as, as you mentioned before, <laughs> grace empowers us to live in dominion over sin. And, and if you if you don't get that deep down in your heart that you're not. I heard Evangelist Kofi say this. I was watching a, a revival today church. Of course, they do the the noonday prayer time. And a few days ago and I was listening and, and Evangelist Kofi said, tell me when Satan came into your room, made you grabbed your phone and pulled up pornography on it and stuffed it in front of your face. Right. <laughs> the, the devil didn't do that. That was someone you made a choice. Oh, yeah. You kept thinking about it. You went right. one step after another. And there you are. So in the same right. way. But, but if you have a light regard for sin, if you see it as a casual thing, then you won't hate it. And you've got to hate sin. You've got to get to a point to have a hatred for sin because God has a hatred for wickedness. And if you want to be like Christ, you know, people talk about being like Jesus. There's many facets to be like Jesus. And one of those is to hate sin. Jesus hated sin unto death. He would have rather died (laughs) than than being subject to sin. And, And so much that he gave his life for it. But 
and I'll, I'll give this right back to you here. You mentioned about holiness produces power. And in fact, uh, everyone that's listening to the episode now, we had evangelist TJ Melkanji on a couple weeks ago. Make sure you go back to his YouTube channel and his podcast and listen to the episode that he and evangelist Preston did. Uh, Holiness, the master key, I believe, was the title of it. Because when you get a right understanding of holiness, you'll see that it manifests in the blessing of the Lord in so many ways, including the power of God. It it brought to my mind when you were speaking Evangelist Preston is, is Romans 1, 4. It says this, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Of course, talking about Christ. But I saw this years ago in prayer. Jesus was raised by the Holy Spirit. But in this verse, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit laid it upon the heart of Paul to write it this way, that with power. So there's the power aspect was raised according to the spirit of holiness. So obviously the spirit of yeah. holiness is the Holy Spirit, but that that puts the emphasis on the word holiness. And I could, when I read that, I, it just like blew up in my spirit. The power that raised Christ from the dead came by the spirit of holiness. And it's no different than the wow. in the life of the believer. If you want to walk in the yes. power of God, it comes by the channel, by the working of the spirit of Holiness. You think about it. Go back with the 1850s, with the Methodist uh, revivals. They were known as holy rollers. They were mocked. John Wesley, they were mocked for being holy rollers. But look what happened when he when that revival was shaking America. It shook a nation. You know, you read some of these older ministers, any revival, you see this to be true. But going in that vein, you read like Charles Finney uh, in the Second Great Awakening, Andrew Murray in South Africa. Um, E.M. Bounds in the Civil War Revival, the Second Great Awakening as well. These different men, they talked so much about how holiness is the, is the discipline of the believer that creates a vessel of honor that the power of God can feel. And if you want to see the power of God manifested in your life, your family, your church, and your nation, it's through a holy vessel that the power of God's manifested. 100%, 100%. And, um, you know, one of the questions that people will ask once they hear this kind of message, uh, AJ, is they'll say, you know, oh, what you're saying might be true, but I want to bring people to Christ. I want to bring I want to bring people to Christ. So I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be firm. I don't want to be. And listen, you don't have to be a jerk to people to be holy. You know, you don't have, you know, you don't have to be like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm holy, but you're just a filthy sinner. You know, like you don't have to be like a jerk. You can right. do it in love and grace, but, but ask yourself this question. How can I bring people to Jesus without bringing them first to repentance? Mm-hmm. How can I, how can I do it? You can't, I, I tweeted that the other day. You can't bring people to, I, I guess you could say really, really the, the father, because Jesus is that bridge, but mm-hmm. you can't bring people to the, to the love of the father without first bringing them to the feet of Christ and to repentance of sin. And so you have to ask yourself, if I don't if I don't have this nailed down in my spirit, this truth, what am I even bringing people to? Mm-hmm. You know, if, well, I'll bring them to a church that won't challenge them on these kinds of issues because I know that it will be easier for them to come with me to church if during the messages and stuff that no one touches on these topics. And so I want to bring them to a church that will kind of just be like about self-help things or humanistic concepts or whatever else. But understand, they might have a big building. They might have many people in their church. They might have whatever systems in place, great children's ministries. They might have an awesome youth group with all the games, all the awesome things, whatever. But if there's no truth of the gospel, then what's being built? You know, we have a lot of churches, quote unquote, churches that really are just social clubs. They're just meeting places. They're just community hangouts. You know, let's all just kind of get together and listen to music and let's all just have pizza afterwards and then we'll we'll laugh and we'll talk about life. But listen, that's not the gospel. The gospel will call you out on your life. Right. You know, there should be there should be conviction when someone preaches. Yes. When someone preaches the actual gospel, there will be conviction if someone's not saved. Otherwise, 
there's a huge issue, not with the person that's listening, but with the pastor or the preacher that's speaking. Mm-hmm. There should be conviction on your words. People should feel the heat of it in their mm-hmm. heart of like, I got to get things right or I'm not going to go where I want to go. Right. You know what I mean? And so I'm an evangelist. I'm an evangelist. So my job is to present the gospel to people. Mm-hmm. And I want many, I want all people to be saved. So does God. Mm-hmm. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? To Jesus? Repentance. No. Come to repentance. Right. So if you don't repent, you will perish. We can we can make that assumption from that verse, that truth. Mm-hmm. If I don't repent, I will perish. And so it's not real love. What we're doing right now, AJ, is real love. Yes. This is, this is love. It might be tough love. It might be, you know, my, my dad's like that. You know, my dad, he's not the kind of dad to, like, be super lovey-dovey, mushy-gushy. But he, I know he loves me. Yeah. But it's tough love. It's tough love. You know, some of you might have dads like that, that they're not going to be like, want to hug you all the time or whatever, but they're, they love you, yeah. but they're, they're tough lovers. You know, they're, they're like, I'll tell you what's right and what's wrong. I'll tell you what, what choices to make and it will be beneficial to your life. Um, and I'm not saying God won't, you know, obviously the presence of God is sweet and precious and if there's nothing like it, it's love, it's loving, but tough love is necessary. You know, if you don't remove the infection, how can you be healed? Mm-hmm. You got to remove it. You don't cover it up with a blanket and say, well, you know, we're going to leave this thing here because we want to love them. No, you remove the infection. Yeah. You remove the thing that would destroy them. Yeah. You know, if you take notes of these episodes, you can say this. God loves me so much that he wants to destroy to destroy the things that would destroy me. Mm. And that's it. So I'll let you go. Yeah. And um, I'm going to write that down. That, that's powerful. Uh, we had a we had a guest on the Faith for My Generation podcast, Pastor Cade, several months back. And uh, he wrote a book, Jesus Ain't Woke. And he actually has, um, he was running a sound ministry and, and developed this YouTube channel called Collaborate Worship. And that's how I found out about him and built a big worship, uh, sound worship YouTube channel. And then I found out, wow. oh, yeah, he's a pastor. And, they, and then I saw his book, read his book and had him on. And he actually grew up in church. And this is this is his testimony that he gave on that on the episode. For those that haven't listened or heard it, you can go back and listen to it. And Pastor Cade said this. He, he was committing the sin and living in the sin of homosexuality. And he said he was surrounded by Christians who maybe some, he, he felt, you know, some of them knew, but they didn't want to just point out you know, point blank say, hey, look, what you're doing is a sin and it's going to take you to hell. And he said, even though they would right. smile and act like everything's OK and he would put on a smile and be happy when he was at home, he said alone. He knew it wasn't right. It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he's crying out in his bedroom one night and he says, Lord, I don't want to just be saved from it. I want this thing. I want to be delivered from it. I want this thing to be destroyed out of my life. Homosexuality. And he said at that point, Jesus didn't just save him, but Jesus became his Lord. And, and he was yes. saved, gloriously saved from that. And think about that. That's just, that is a sin that really is in westernized culture has been pushed heavily by, by demonic forces to be accepted in culture. You go to a lot of other nations and it's still it's still not accepted. But like in America, a lot of the yeah. listeners here are, are Americans. Think about it. It's July when we're recording this, July 7th, which means we just are seven days away away from the previous month of Pride Month that they want to call. Where, where every yeah. corporation puts up rainbow flags and all this. And, and many churches won't even say out loud that what the Bible says about homosexuality is that it's a sin that will destroy you here and in eternity. And, and if yes. you truly love someone, I'll tell you, if you want to have some fun, Evangelist Preston, start a TikTok channel and start live streaming on TikTok. I, I, in February, <laughs> I started a channel and I, I was putting up the reels I was putting on Instagram. I started to put on TikTok. You got to hit a thousand people before you can live stream. So I was like, Lord, if okay, you'll okay. give me if you'll give me a thousand people, I will go on there frequent and I will live stream and I'll preach the word. And so it took about three yeah. months. And so I've been doing live streams three or four a week 
for the past several weeks. And I mean, it's, wow. TikTok is exploding because they want to eat Instagram, Facebook, YouTube's lunch. You know, the Chinese that own, they, they want to dominate the world. So they're just giving followers. I mean, hundreds of followers I'm picking up when I do these live streams. But at the same time, hundreds, hundreds of commenters of people, you're an idiot. I wouldn't trust you with chill in the, in the same room with children. You know, what's happened to your hairline, which I like, I just comb my hair guys. What, what's going on here? I mean, just make fun of your, how you look just unreal. You know, God's, I can't believe this, this guy's talking about fairy tales. Might as well read Harry Potter. I mean, if you want to find out how some people actually think about Jesus yeah. and the word, you know, you get a little bit of exposure there. And so, but when I get on that, I don't, I don't want, I'm not going to cry because it's like, you know, what am I going to do? Tell Peter yeah. when I get to heaven who was crucified upside down, Peter, some people said some really mean things about me. And I was <laughs> live streaming. Like, it's just not that big a deal. But, but what am I going to do? Not say the truth. I want to see people right. changed. And so I say the truth regardless of how it will come across. Because 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. You go to 2 Corinthians 7, 10, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. So we're talking about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If you're a sinner, you, there has to be a point where you are confronted with the gospel. And the gospel is offensive. I think it's uh, in Galatians yeah. that I was reading the other day to, to the Jews. It's a stumbling block uh, uh, and to the Greeks is foolishness, the preaching of the gospel. But to the, us that receive the gospel, it's miraculous. It's the power of God. And so you yes. as a believer that's listening, do not do not one, do not allow your testimony to be stained or tainted by sin in your life because that will rob you of your confidence because when you live holy that will give you a boldness on the inside to speak the truth to other people in love so that they can actually hear the gospel truth because there's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas about god and his word and they've never cracked the bible open or, or they've read a few, you know, the scripture they read is whatever's posted on Facebook or Twitter. Like they have no concept of truth. And when you write, get right down into the Bible, you realize like sin is not something, it's not to be my pet. It's not like something I keep on the back porch and I feed every now and then and play with it. It is something that I have to have, take dominion over it. And if you're listening and you realize, you know what, you know, you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit as you're listening to Evangelist Preston talk about this. Repent. What does repentance mean? To turn. To, to turn yes. from it. And there's grace for that. That's what the true grace of God is, is 1 John 1. When you confess and repent, when you say, Lord, what I've done is wrong and I don't want to do it anymore. He will forgive you and cleanse you of that sin and empower you to live free from it. Yeah. I mean, you think of Jesus at the well with the woman, right? Mm -hmm. The whole story of when he's like, um, she's like, he's like, go tell your husband, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I, you know, I, um, I don't have a husband. She's like, he's like, you're right in saying that because the man that you're living with is not your husband. And there's been seven other people that weren't your husband either. And so, you know, she's like, wow, you're the son of God. And you know, that whole story. I'm kind of yeah. paraphrasing it terribly, but you know the story. Um, but what did Jesus say at the end of that story? He said, go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. So there was grace. There was grace for her. There was grace at that well. Though she'd been with, you know, she's, she's shacking up with a guy that's not her husband. And there's been seven other guys that weren't her husband. Jesus forgave her. Jesus still, you know, had grace for her. But then afterwards, he said, listen to me. There was grace here. But from here, go sin no more. Right. So it's not you, we come to Jesus with our problems and our issues and our, and, our, and our baggage, our problems, and he forgives us. And then he's like, OK, you know, come back next week. I'll forgive you again. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's that's what Catholics do. That's what Catholics yeah. do, you know, with the confessional booth and all that and praying Hail Marys every week. You mm -hmm. know, they they have that doctrine that, OK, I just got to come and. I'll just sin throughout my week. But when I come, if I just pray Hail Mary 72 times, I'm good. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not in the Bible. You have to conduct yourself in a manner that's worthy of the calling. And yes. I, 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 and I want to read this out of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It says this in verse 19. Paul said, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. I want to read this because this will help the person that says, um, you know, I believe what you're saying, but I want to help people. I want to bring people to Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul, the Apostle Paul, I would say he was pretty good at bringing people to Christ. He had a few successful church plants, wrote some good books and letters and stuff. I think he was a pretty good guy. So let's listen to what he wrote. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. He said, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them to the Jews. I became a Jew in order to win Jews to those under the law. I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law to those outside the law, the Greeks or others that weren't Jewish. I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God but under the law of Christ. Why? Why is he doing this? That I might win those outside the law. Mm-hmm. Verse 22, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things unto all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. And so we talk about evangelizing, right? We talk about that, that question. Well, how do I bring people to Jesus while keeping this truth in my heart and being solid on it? Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I'm not saying, I'm not saying again that you have to be like a Westboro Baptist church member mm-hmm. and be hateful. Don't be hateful. Don't be, don't be mean. Don't be angry. But understand that if they don't hear the truth, they will not go to heaven. Right. And so Paul is talking like this. He said, to those that are Jewish and that live by the law of the Old Testament and all those kinds of things, I became like them, not because I am like them, but because I'm trying to convince them to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And then to the Jews, I'm not the Jews, the Greeks or those that are outside the law. He said, I became like them in order that I might win them. So I'm not saying compromise your conviction. But you can be persuasive in how you treat people and be kind to people and be loving to people, make them laugh. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of great preachers that are like this, but my cousin Teddy, my cousin Jonathan, mm-hmm. Jesse Duplantis, um, even Dr. Rodney, there's a lot of great preachers and they use humor in their messages. And what it does is it disarms people's anger towards yeah. them. Because I read this by a psychologist he said humor and laughter is is the only expression or emotion of humanity where if you're laughing you can't you can't be angry at the same time hmm. you can't be you can't be like it's hard to fight someone to death while you're laughing together you know what i mean <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so great preachers they'll use things like humor or uh, they'll tell great stories like Jesus did that. He told great mm-hmm. stories, parables. People were interested in it. People got hooked in by his storytelling. Um, you know, there's ways and things that you can employ in your Christian walk with this holiness message that can present it in a way that people receive it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't go to people's funerals and say they're going to hell. And you're, you're you know, I've seen this. Churches do this. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll go to people's funerals and picket their funerals with hateful signs. And they'll go to the boardwalk or the the meeting place, like a popular place in their town. Mm-hmm. And they'll bring hateful signs that say God hates, you know, uh, gay people. But they'll use the other word that's like offensive and mm-hmm. whatever. They'll just be crazy. And I'm not saying that gay people will go to heaven. But you don't have to express your truth and your love for God and holiness in a way that will turn people away from the gospel. You can do it in a way that encourages people to say, you know what, you know, Preston's life, God's hands on his life. Hmm. You know, he's happy. He's joyful. He makes me laugh. Every time I see him, he makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. Every time I'm with him, he makes me happy. There's something about him. I'm sure you've had that happen, AJ, where mm-hmm. someone's around you. And they're like, I don't know what it is about you, but when I'm around you, I just feel better. Mm-hmm. I just feel happy. I just, I just have more joy. And it's not necessarily you. 
but it's God on the inside of you, his spirit. And oh, God will use your personality. Right. God will use your personality. When we get saved, our personality doesn't necessarily change. Mm-hmm. Who we are, you know, things that make us laugh, how we talk, things we think are funny. A lot mm-hmm. of times that stays the same even after salvation. Why can't God use that? Why can't God use that in evangelism so that you can impact those around you? Yeah. But still be strong on holiness. Right. Still be strong on it to the point where you don't force it down their throat, but they approach you and they're like, you know what? I, I want to be saved. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but like, I want to be saved. What is that about you? You know, my, my, uh, my middle name is Smith. Mm-hmm. And I'm named after a preacher. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. And there's a story about his life that, or stories that he'd be going on, he'd get on trains to go preach somewhere. And there would be people that didn't even know who he was. And they would come up to him and cry and ask him, what must I do to be saved? Mm-hmm. Didn't even know who he was. Just walking on a train, just going to preach somewhere. People yeah. would just come to him crying, tears down their face. What must I do to be saved? What is that? You know, like, I want that in my life. Right. You know, and that's like a, that's like a high level of anointing and everything. But I want that in my life. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be known as that uh, jerky, critical preacher that is just ragging on everybody and is like, well, he's he's angry. He's mean. No, I preach the truth in love and grace, true love and grace. And that brings people to the feet of Christ. And though they're weak right now, Paul said, uh, in an, I think it's the NLT. It says it in that scripture that we just read. I bring the weak to Christ in order that what they might not be weak anymore Mm. because once you're weak and you come to Christ, then he gives you the strength. And so, yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned, but with the Smith Wigglesworth, with that happened, you you read that in the lives of other men, Uh, Charles Finney, when he goes and tours a, a, a a factory, the whole fact, and and there's ladies there making, poking fun at him. And the longer they're there, they begin to weep the longer he's there, they begin yeah. to weep. And the owner says, wait a minute, something's happening. He shuts down the factory. He preaches the gospel and everyone there has an opportunity to get saved. Many get saved. And, and, you know, and then they go back to work several hours later after most of the people in the factory get saved. You know, you see it with yeah. Jesus when he shows up to uh, the demoniac and the Gadarenes, the demoniac yes. ran to Jesus. Jesus didn't have to like tromp through the cemetery where you got to find some demon possessed people to cast devils out of. <laughs> right. Like right, right. the demoniac came to him and there's a drawing the Holy spirit. When we, Jesus told us that if we'll lift him up, lift up the son of man, the Holy spirit will draw all unto him. And so the Holy spirit inside of us is a wooing drawing force to the people around us. And so that's what's so powerful about holiness is you become a sign work of what Christ can do in a person. It's, it's, it's the, in the old covenant, Jesus tells, I think it's the book of Exodus to Moses and the people of Israel. He says, I want you to continue to keep the Sabbaths because I am Jehovah Mekadeshkim, the Lord God that sanctifies you. And I want you to look different. And that's what so many of these laws had to do with in the old Testament. I want you to certain kind of clothes don't cut your hair like look different than the nations of the world around you i want you to be a sign well now it's not lesser in the new covenant it's even more it's now not only does our outward appearance change by what we do what we say that glorifies and honor god but also our insides right because that's what jesus told the pharisees right you know you're just a bunch of white tombs you look good on the outside washing your hands but you don't realize that what defiles you is inside of you in your heart yeah. And, and, and what's so powerful about this, I just saw this today in my reading. It was actually when I was doing a, a stream earlier today uh, in book of John, John four, when, when he's at the woman at the well, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And I noticed this, I never saw this before, but when Jesus revealed, Jesus revealed her sin so that she could be free from it. Because when you yes. start reading from John one and John one and John three, John uses this analogy of light that he is the light of life and the light in men and uh, the light was not overcome by darkness and in john 3 after john three sixteen, you keep reading it says that men don't like to come to him who is light 
because they get to get away with sin in darkness, or at least they think. But when you walk in the light, dark everything that's in the darkness is revealed. And the Lord is not going to reveal something in your life to shame you, but to set you free from it. Sin it's will right. shame you itself. <laughs> we just we just read that in mm -hmm. Second Corinthians seven. Worldly sorrow produces death. If you're in sin, you've you're already ashamed. You're you're already right. under the bondage of grief and shame and sorrow. So the Lord doesn't reveal sin to shame you. He reveals you reveals sin to set you free from it. And, and if That's you right. really want to win, at, going along with your thought that you've made, if you really want to win people to Christ, you've got to hold fast to the truth of God's word because the truth of God's word will reveal sin in other people's life. Again, you don't have to just walk up to someone and say, hey, you look like a sinner. You know, but, but but carrying the presence and of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word on your lips will reveal sin. You'll just be in conversation and you'll, you know, you'll say something like, wait, what do you mean? You, th you think that's wrong? Well, the Bible says it's wrong. Are you serious? Yeah. And then you can begin to rightly divide the word of truth and that will reveal sin so that people can be set free from it. And, and I think yeah. that that's. If you really want to go for people, you really want to win people, you really want to draw people to Christ. Notice in the life of Jesus, he didn't do that. When There's one story. It's really great. Jesus is saying, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And many people left. And it says, and they followed him no longer. And then he looks at the disciples and he's like, you guys want to leave too? You know, it, Jesus right. wasn't like, okay. Uh, I don't know if this is very tweetable. Maybe I should rethink what the father wants me to say. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't know if this will get likes. Let, let's rethink this. It's not that he was trying to drive people away, but he does say count the cost. So you, you have to be transparent with the truth of God's word. Hey, this is what the Bible says and I want the best for you. And this is how you receive life. What you want, what you're trying to get, this is how you get it. But you don't back off of it. Right. You, you, you know, it's like it's like dealing with someone. You talked about this with the infection. Like if a, if you if I went to the doctor and I had a cancerous tumor in my body and the doc said, man, that's going to take a lot of cutting and it's going to hurt. I don't really want to hurt them. I'll just leave the tumor there and not even tell them about it because I don't want to hurt them. Well, no, the best thing is to get the tumor cut out of my body, <laughs> regardless yes. of the of the pain it, it may in, imply. And that's the same way with sin. Right. It's a cancerous tumor in someone that will slowly eat away, destroy in this life and the life to come. So as we're finishing up this episode, leave us with another thought. Uh, why, why is it so necessary to understand that through the power of God, you have dominion over sin as a Christian? Why does that matter? Well, first of all, it matters because if you don't, you will go to hell for eternity. I mean, that was, that's probably the most important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, people, people always ask questions. I'm like, well, first of all, God said it, you know, God <laughs> commanded it, you know, like, <laughs> like if I was going to tell my, uh, if I was like a kid and I'm still living with my parents at their house, you know, very exciting, by the way, 23 living with my parents. But if my father, <laughs> if, if my father were to ask me to do something, I'm like, well, why, why do I have to do that? You know what he's going to tell me? Because I said so. Yeah. And I'm your father. That's why. Right? So, yeah. like, maybe you were a kid and then your parents would tell you that. Why do I got to take out the trash? Why do I have to, whatever, take out the dogs, feed the, feed the dogs? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I'm your parent and I told you to do it. I'm your right. father. I'm your mother, whatever. And so God is our father. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and I, and I am in his house. You know, not physically in heaven, but I am a part of the house of God. I'm a part of the kingdom of God as his son. And so I do what he tells me to do. Why? Because he's God. It says this, Isaiah said, uh, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, just as the heavens are above the earth. And so, I mean, there's so many reasons I could give you as to why this is important. But first of all, it's important because God said it's important and to do it. Mm -hmm. And I want to please God. I want to obey God. Second of all, if you don't do it, you'll die. And you mm -hmm. won't just die a natural death. You'll die a spiritual death. You know, Jesus said this, don't fear the man that can kill your fleshly body. Right. Kill the, fear the man, excuse me, that can kill your body and your soul. I'd fear him. You know, and we got, 
we got so many people that they fear the one that can affect their natural body, but they don't fear God that can affect, you know, the natural body or the spiritual part of who you are. Right. I'd fear him instead. I would choose to fear God. I would choose this day whom I shall serve. I would choose life and not death that I'm me and my descendants, my family might live. And so that's important. It's important because God commanded it. It's important because sin will kill you and bring you to hell. Thirdly, it's important because if you don't believe it, if you don't understand it, it weakens the purpose and the work of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I mean, the entire life of Christ, what his mission was, everything was about it. And so I'm not going to treat that flippantly. I'm not going to take that lightly. I'm going to take it with all seriousness and severity and genuineness of heart to follow after what he told me to do. And then once I do that, the blessing and the things that are attached to his word shall come and be in my life. Mm -hmm. Jesus said this in Matthew 6. He said, seek ye first. Is that Matthew 6, 33? Mm -hmm. I think. Seek ye first his kingdom and what? His righteousness. His righteousness. And then, so people, you know, and I don't want to go too long. I know we're wrapping up. But God's love is not unconditional. It was unconditional in the sending of Christ and the death of Christ. But if we read John 14 and 1 John 4, it shows us that God, God's love after salvation is conditional based upon our word obedience. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we see that. We see that. And so seek ye first his kingdom, Matthew 6, going back to there. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these other things. What are the other things? What you'll eat, what you'll wear where you'll live, where you'll go, all that, who you'll marry, everything, all about the worries of life, the cares of life, all that stuff people worry about so much. If you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all those other things will just be added on top of as a bonus, right. as a benefits package. And so that's why it's important. First, you know, I'll just run down that list and I'll throw it back to you. It's important because God said in his word, he commanded it. It's important because if we don't, we'll go to hell. And everyone that we love that doesn't obey will go to hell. Thirdly, it's important because every blessing and everything attached to God's word is activated by holiness. Again, like we mentioned, holiness is the master key. It unlocks everything else that God has in store. And so I forget my fourth one now that I'm recounting it, but I said another one. But those are like four great ones that will help you as to why it's important. And, and we'll finish here with this the main text that we started out with, Romans 6, 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under the under grace. You know, in verse 13, it talks about instruments, but that can also be translated weapons. You know, for you that are listening, the faithful on the, on the podcast, you're listening. Think, I want you to think about that. You have become a weapon in the hand of God when you live holy. When you live holy unto God, you have become a weapon of righteousness. Maybe you look out, you, you look on social media, you watch news, you look, you go into your community, you go to the grocery store, depending on where you live, and you just see, you know, chaos in the world. And there is chaos in the world because sin produces destruction. And so there, right. you see a sin in a world that is groaning under the weight of sin. And you think, my goodness, you know, how, how do we fight back to this? There are natural ways, I'm sure, but I don't know how effective they may be. You know, you try to vote in people that tell you that they will do something and then they show up in office and they don't do what they said they would do or they give you a reason why they yeah. can't do it. All this stuff. So don't put your faith in man. What? But how can you push back against the work of Satan in this earth and dominate in your life? Become a weapon of righteousness. Allow the Holy right. Spirit to make you a weapon in the hand of God. And that's what I want to encourage you with and lead you with before I ask Evangelist Preston to pray for for the faithful. That's what I want to encourage you that's listening. You have become a weapon of righteousness in the hand of God Almighty. So do not allow yeah. sin to, you know, I, I'm hoping at this point we're an hour in that you, if, if you were coming into this episode, had a casual idea of sin. I'm praying that you have a hatred for sin now because it is something that Christ 
bled and died so that and now is risen and made you alive so that you can have dominion over it. Don't be enslaved to something you've been freed from. There's a reason Jesus freed you from it. And don't willingly give yourself back over to its dominion. Be free from it. Walk holy. God has empowered you to walk holy. Evangelist Preston, would you pray for the faithful? And so that we'll do exactly yeah. that and be, be a weapon of righteousness for God. Absolutely. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the faithful that are listening right now. I thank you for all of my friends that are listening to this podcast. Father, I thank you that your word and your power has ministered to them during this hour that we've had together. But Father, right now, I thank you that it won't just be a teaching. It won't just be a time where we listen to your word, but it will be a time where we make a decision to say, God, I want to live holy for you. I want to take these words to heart and actually apply them to my life, actually walk them out in my Christian walk and be the kind of Christian that I'm supposed to be according to your powerful, awesome word. Father, give us the grace not to live in sin, but Father, give us the grace to live empowerment and dominion over sin. And then, Father, give us the grace to lead those that are in sin right now to the marvelous light of your powerful gospel and the mighty, precious blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that we're not growing cold. We thank you that we're growing hot and we're growing more on fire and more impassioned and fervent about how Jesus is coming soon and a mighty revival shall sweep our nation and the nations of the world. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. We shall be holy workers for your kingdom from today until the day that we go to heaven or until Jesus returns. We shall be holy workers and do the word of the Lord in our generation. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much again, Evangelist Preston. Really enjoyed having you on again. Hope to do it again in the future. And uh, yeah, tell everyone, yeah, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you. Uh, we'll put it in the bio as well in the podcast episode. But tell them how they can get and follow you and be in touch with you. Yes. Um, so I'm on social media. My social media platforms I use are only Instagram and Twitter. And so you can just search my name. I know it's a long last name, but you can do it, I promise. Uh, it's Preston Shuttlesworth on Instagram. My handle on there would be at P.S. Shuttlesworth. I told you my middle name's Smith. Mm -hmm. And so there's a middle initial S there uh, in the handle. And so the same handle is on Twitter. And then I also have a website, which is just my name. I don't have a ministry name at this point. It's just my name. So the, the website would be Preston shuttlesworth.com and i will be in vermont next month going awesome. to california this year for for a week of meetings and um going back to new hampshire to do another youth event i just finished one up uh last week or so and so god's moving god's opening doors and if you want to be connected or a partner whatever you feel led to do um you can do that on the website or get to know me or follow what i'm doing on social media in those places so. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Evangelist Preston, and we hope to do it again soon. And remember, we yeah. are the faithful. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.